<laughs> oh, oh, hello, hello everyone. Um, Marina and I, this is Marina, um, we, are we have been celebrating, actually, because we, someone sent us some champagne, which went down very nicely. Uh, it was, um, it was, who, who was it who sent that? It was, oh, yeah, it was sent by a wishweller. Uh, Oh, a well-wisher. It's an anonymous well-wisher. Um, uh, it's not alcoholic champagne, you know. Anyway, we're going to do the randomizer. Um, and I have a randomizer printout. Oh, oh, I dropped it. I dropped the random. Oh, it's by this guy's feet. I just get the randomizer printout under your feet. I'm sorry. Oh, you pick it up for me. Oh, ah, oh, well, that, that, you are, you are my best friend. Oh, uh, no, you, you're still my best friend, Marina, but this guy. Oh, he's my new best friend. Oh, and, and you say, you say what it is we're watching today? Time to kill. Oh, okay. Well, then it's time for the space precinct. And it's not an alcoholic champagne. It's really something. <laughs> oh. So welcome back to the, it's actually the very first randomizer I'm recording in 2021. This is Time to Kill, uh, a very popular episode of our, um, perhaps a not so popular show, Space Precinct. And anyway, we are opening with, personnel. My wife says you're looking well, two notable things. One, this chap, um, Sir? Tamsin, played by Nigel Gregory, was in not one but two episodes of UFO. He was in The Psycho Bombs and he was in The Sound of Silence. The other notable thing is that his boss, Draco, earned himself a Space Precinct Pog, which is a very notable achievement of great importance to all of us. You weren't my wife's cousin. Written by Hans Beimler. Oh, now Hans Beimler of um, many American shows, including uh, some of the 1990s Star Trek shows. <laughs> Don't worry. They're totally indistinguishable from government issues. Tamsin is uh, introducing this um, young chap. What's his, what's his relationship with this guy? Is his nephew or something? I can't remember. I waffled over it. They're running a counterfeiting operation. And the uh, young chap, Ross, he's, uh, he's not too keen. Without great risks. Especially when he sees the uh, money being produced from vats of acid. Well, this is illegal. I don't know too much about the uh, the counterfeiting business, uh, at least not these days. But uh, I'm not sure to what extent acid is is actually genuinely involved in the process. Is a genuine opportunity I'm offering you here. It's certainly very uh, very lucrative. They're making a uh, sorry quite a lot of it. Suit yourself. Police, you're under arrest. Nobody move. Nobody move. That's it. Drop. All our heroes are here. Brogan and Haldane. Orin and Romek. Relax, kid. Castle and Took. We heard everything. We need to get a statement from you and then you're free to go, okay? Yes, Hans Beimler, writer of um, many good, really good Star Trek episodes in particular. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. From a story by Mark Scott Zacree, who was also another Space Precinct writer, um, Deep Space Nine's Far Beyond the Stars, which is uh, just one of the greatest pieces of, of Star Trek ever made, in my opinion, and uh, quite a lot of other people's. Anyway. Like an earthquake. Really 
been held in. I'm surprised you haven't made detective already. Huh, I do know how to make the earth move. The warehouse has been rocked by a little bit of a tremor. Brogan hasn't noticed this chap on the... Uh... Oh, here it comes. Yes. And Orin is down straight away. Luckily, there were some uh, empty cardboard boxes to cushion his fall. Tamsin and Draco have gotten away. Which basically leaves the warehouse with only the cops, um, Ross, and... We weren't introduced. This, this chap who's come to see them, he's a... He looks like a, a bit of a, a cybernetic organism, almost a cyborg, if you will. And this sequence is just so phenomenally directed. Um, I can't remember who the director on this one is, and that's uh, that's annoying me, actually, because they do such great work here. There's so many shots in quick succession. This is very unusual for Space Precinct. That small can't be. Tell him that. And yet I get the feeling this was kind of what they were hoping would be the norm. This just frantic pace of the editing here. Anyway, Jane's making a break for it. Took's covering her. Jane's clear, signals to Took, who gets up in slow motion because, of course, a cyborg shoots her across the spine. Well, we're two officers down now. Everybody, on my signal, fire! I also like these um, shots of one of the members of the counterfeiting gang, I think the only one who stuck around, um, helping himself to a bit of money, you know, just in case. But the cop's weapons are having no effect on the cyborg. He's, uh... Flank him! He's heading upstairs. Where's he going? And Ross has taken this moment to, uh, find better cover. Bad idea. Yeah! Cyborg shoots Brogan, and in the recoil, Brogan shoots Ross, who lands in the vat of acid. Well, Cyborg's not sticking around to help uh, mop this one up. He's gone. And this is such a gruesome thing to do to the to the Ross character. The makeup is, is oh. Even though we don't see the face, it's covered by his hands. But I would assume. Down. We need emergency medical assistance. Oh. Although the editing, uh, the editing lets the end of that scene down. Brogan has covered Ross's face with his jacket, and then at the very end, we cut back to Ross. The jacket's off. But hey ho. Her spine was shattered. So that was a fairly intense little scene. that would paralyze a human. Fortunately, she's a tarn, and her spinal cord will regenerate. Yeah, Took's gonna be okay. That is if you can hold still and give yourself a chance to heal. Well, it's times like this. Helping herself to some water. Telekinesis really comes in handy. And that will be a plot point later. No word on Orin if he's uh, recovered from his um, stumble into some cardboard boxes. Possibly a severe paper cut or two. Relax. I'll be back on the streets before you know it. Tarns are built tough, you know. Which is why anything bad that's going to happen always happens to this tarn. He's just somebody who happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's an understatement. Here's another guest actress who's been saddled with a... a an American voice dubbed over her performance. He's stable for now, but frankly, I'm not optimistic. Well, I'm responsible for him being here. Yeah, Ross is on life support. Even in you know, what little you can see of his face there, all oh, that makeup still looks very gruesome. Look, Captain, please don't patronize me. I screwed up. I'll tell you when you screwed up. I love that. Infected Drake on a I decide who's made a mistake or not. Spring him loose. My concern is not to find fault. My concern is to determine your next move. 
We look for Draco. We find him, we find the cyborg. Well, that's if the cyborg was under Draco's control. Also, there's a lot of talk about Draco, the, the, the head of the counterfeiting operation, but you barely actually have a chance to register who that is in the, the warehouse scene. You spend more time with Tamsin, to the extent you don't really acknowledge that Draco is the... Uh, have forensics run it ...the chap with the... Um, you managed to blast loose. I don't know what he, he had, some sort of magnifying glass or something, attachment to his uh, head. We hit the streets. Somebody's got to know something about that thing. Yeah, that's right. Assassins don't just materialize out of thin air, huh? Ah. Another comment that um, may come into play later on in the episode. Disappointed in you, Ziplode. No reason, Brogan. I'm being straight with you. And is this our first appearance of Ziplode? I know he's been on the randomizer before, but is this his first appearance in uh, in series order? Mm, possibly. This is a nice little montage as well of um, Brogan and Haldane checking in with their regular informants. Please, you know I can't take. I know Ziplode was the only one to return after this, but uh, it does make the world feel a bit more. That's what we want to know. More real. I would if I knew anything, but I swear I haven't heard a damn thing. So back at the hospital, which uh, is not—I don't—I don't think it's the hospital where we later see Sally working. I like this little model of um, a sort of road sweeper, street cleaner thing out the front. Anyway, the uh, receptionist is uh, just going to pop out for a moment. At the moment, our cyborg friend pops in to see Took. He hasn't brought any flowers or uh, or anything. Oh no, he's not here to see Took. He's here to see Ross. But Took has seen him. And as we saw earlier, using her telekinesis makes the beepy thing go all beepier. Code red. Officer needs a And the cyborg has heard it. <laughs> That's a fairly horrible thing to do to Took. Again. Yep, she's dead. And what's this? Oh, we've got a vial of green stuff to inject into Ross. I love the look of this cyborg, by the way. It's so... Well, from the top... The, the, the waist up, it's brilliant. And then from the bottom down, it's just got a pair of tan jeans. And I can never decide if that took of that that shot of Took dead in bed is is kind of a bit too graphic, or if it's um if her pose is, is rather comical. I'm torn between the two. Anyway, here's one of my favourite Haldane moments. Took's dead. I keep saying it to myself over and over and over again because part of me just won't accept it. And one of the first times I think Rob Youngblood, uh, Rob Youngblood gets a chance to play something other than the you know, the cocky would-be ladies' man that the Haldane is on paper. Yeah, Jane, I... You get here the, the, the sense that he really does care. If there's anything I can do to help, I mean, an ear, shoulder... <laughs> I know I'm not exactly your first choice, but... Well, the offer's there, for what it's worth. Thanks. Why would that thing want to kill Took? Some kind of vendetta against cops? Uh, maybe. If Draco's pulling the cyborg strings, could be that Draco's holding a grudge against us for busting the operation, huh? Captain, forensics have run every test they've got on this hunk of armor. Oh, Aaron's back with us. Inconclusive. It's some sort of bizarre alloy that defies description. 
They can't tell what it's made of. Don't they have any idea? Well, the talking is sending it to the Hawking Laboratories on Earth, but that ain't cheap. I'll worry about that. Get it to them. Rogan, your friend Ziplode's on Com 6. I'm taking the captain's office. Yay, Ziplode. Why don't you use my office, Rogan? <laughs> Ziplode, what do you got? You find the cyborg? Uh, no, but I, uh, I might know where Draco's hold up. Some very nice, uh, reaction Draco's eye movements there from Ziplode. At the Tirana Hotel. And he also scratches his head in the same way that, uh, Orin often does. This penthouse. Well, it looks like Draco's not home. Anyway, it's off to find Mr. Draco. That well-defined character that, um... You don't actually know what he looks like unless you've really seen this a couple of times. That's uh, gonna have to wait, partner. Draco just got home. And there he goes. Oh. Fantastic stuff. I, I love the shock of that. There's a cyborg in that hopper. Ah, uh, yep. The cyborg was rented the standard green hopper. All units, all units, cyborg spotted. Grid reference. Blown up the penthouse suite just by using his, his handgun. Let's nail this cop killer. This is another fantastic model sequence here as well of uh, Brogan and Haldane chasing the cyborg's hopper through this. I don't even know what it is. It looks just as a random assortment of scaffolding and bits. But it gives the cyborg time to uh, sneak up behind them. Yeah, he's on the starboard bow. There's cyborg on the starboard bow. Stop. Oh, no. Uh, they're going down. We're losing it. Eject, Haldane. Eject. Malfunction, my ejector won't work. Oh dear. I'll try and set As much as I like this sequence, there are some close-up shots of the cruiser. It looks a bit toy-like. Punch out, Brogan! Not without you! End of discussion. Oh, Brogan's gone. Good landings, partner. So Haldane is gonna try and land this thing, which is not a good idea considering that um, judging by the model shots, there's like no room on the ground at all in Demeter City. It's just skyscrapers everywhere. I love the way we just we stay with Brogan on his little ejector seat chair, watching the cruiser spinning into the distance. And these these are live action shots of of Rob Youngblood as well, with the model city spinning around him. This looks very realistic, and then it all goes very quiet until. Well, that's uh, two nil to the cyborg. Tired? It's not sleepy, it's more like... Um... No. That's it. This is another really good scene. I think this time for, for Ted Shackelford. You keep asking yourself why. And you know damn well there's no reason. I also like there's an extra coming up here who's uh, drinking in the background. Yeah, here we go, just gets up from his table, walks past Brogan. We'd end up together. Listen. Gives him a gentle pat on the shoulder. No. Ted Shackelford, I don't think he even acknowledges it. What do you got, Sergeant? Maybe a lead on Tamsin, Draco's second in command. Someone called in an anonymous tip, an address where Tamsin's hiding out. I'll take it. We'll take it. Okay, so both of you take it. What's the problem? I mean, have both your partners been killed recently? I mean, what's up with you two? If you want to take a few days, give yourself some. I don't understand Fredo's reaction there. He, he seems to be operating in a slightly different uh, reality to everyone else there. Howling's killer. Unfortunately for him, he's going to be brought into this reality fairly quickly. I'm not. Good. Then there's no reason for you to work alone on this. 
And this is the first scene of, um... You think Tamsin... The first indication of, uh... More on that. I think Tam... Aside to Brogan that I think the series might have benefited from if we had seen more of it. Draco, but to kill him. We'll get into that. As it happens. Oh, a doggy! Roaming the streets of Demeter City. Even though... Dogs cannot live in Demeter City, for there is Creon fever. But he seems to be managing okay. Rogan! It's me, Tamsin. We need to talk. Yeah, Nigel Gregory was uh, a shadow security man in in the Psycho Bombs, and he was uh, Cully the Hippie in uh, The Sound of Silence. It's all right. Don't shoot. I'm surrendering. So you made the anonymous call yourself? What's the matter, Tamsin? You kill her, turn on you? Michael. And his uh, costume here, I think, ended up in the recent uh, Eubanks auction. For me. Right. I don't know what it does or who it is. All I know is it killed Draco. I demand protection. You can demand squat. Here we go. After you, that's your problem. You hired it. That's not true. I'm telling you. I don't know anything about it. I'm telling you, you're going to pay for my partner's death. And you want to know something? I just as soon let the cyborg do the job. You would. This this darker edged broken this you're a good cop you play by the rules not anymore oh there we go i like that i really like that brogan i i don't know if maybe that's the the way ted shackford would have preferred to play it it doesn't mean a damn thing to me the only thing you've got to this slightly manic energy now he's he's you know he's lost haldane it's almost getting to the point where he's got nothing to lose i don't know and now he's hitting him brogan stop it it's me and now he's got a pistol under his chin. I don't know if this would be a good character as the lead for a family show. And his lies. I want the truth. But so do I, but this isn't the way, and you know it. For a slightly more adult series, maybe Maybe there's something you could do with this um this unhinged Brogan. I dunno. But it is interesting to see just how uh you know, it it would only take like the span of a day for our Brogan to go completely off the deep end. I find that so interesting. And um, it, it rarely did we ever revisit that. I think um, Side swipe by a the, the closest we'd get to that is um, the Forever Beetle later on when uh, when his friend is uh, is killed. He goes a bit manic after that, but... Um, Inside a nice safe cell, okay? We aim to please. Not as much as he does here. This is good stuff. Brogan, take a look at this. The analysis of that piece of metal from the cyborg we just got it from the Hawking Laboratories. They say they've never seen anything like it. They say they don't know how an alloy of those elements, in those proportions, could ever have been made. Well, someone did it. Yeah, but the top metallurgists on Earth swear they couldn't even begin to duplicate this stuff. They wouldn't know where to start. Oh, another clue. Dr. Grant just called from the hospital. She wants to speak to you in person. I can't explain it, Lieutenant, but his condition is improving. He's still comatose, but... His heart rate stabilized and his tissue degeneration has stopped. And you don't know the cause? Well, we think we know the cause, but we still can't figure it out. Uh, we found an unusual substance in Ross's bloodstream. From the absorption rate, we estimate it was given to him about 39 hours ago. That's when the cyborg broke in here and killed Took. And this gives us some idea of the time frame that this, uh, all of this episode is happening over. Have you analyzed the drug? Thoroughly, but, well, uh, it's a compound you've never seen before. Too complex for you to synthesize? Well, that's right. Even given the formula, we couldn't make that drug. 
The technology doesn't exist yet. I don't get it. Why would that monster give Ross a drug that would help him? It's an interesting question because I'm not entirely sure within the context of what we later find out why the cyborg has that kind of drug on his person considering that he um because the technology doesn't well again given by what we later see he wasn't actually intending to do what he did there a time travel ah. would explain a lot of things don't you think I think you've got a hell of an imagination Sell it to the BBC. They can put Michael French and Chloe Annette in it, and uh, the other thing I want to know about it is it'll be another 1990s sci-fi blockbuster for them. Oh, back to the station house. Everyone's milling around. Just another normal day. Until oh, I love this shot from from really low, looking up at the cyborg. Um, didn't quite frame it close enough to avoid those those tan jeans, but. Uh, Where's Tamsin? He gone, Fredo? No! Fredo's gone. Lauren Romek and uh, a random handful of extras diving for cover. Romek's down. Oh no. Random extra to the rescue. And I like that that random extra dies with, um, well, a sound effect you're going to hear right now. I think they reused Podley's scream from that for the extra who died just before Podley died. Proceed to precinct 88. It's a nice fall from the balcony for Podley there. Oh, and Orin's dead as well. Intruder alert. Security breach. Intruder alert. Security Now, what did Slomo really think he was going to achieve there? Oh, no more than this random extra. Also dead. Cyborg's, uh... Not interested in the prisoners. Some nice, uh, nice acting from the extras there, actually, in the um, holding cells, which is not often I, I say that about the extras in Space Precinct. A lot of the times they look, they just look terrible. Oh my god! But I suppose nothing could look as bad as this. Everybody dead. It's heading for the cells. Except Romek. Looking for Tams. Oddly enough, um, played by the actor who we know would most like to have left the series, Lou Hirsch. Oh. And I also find myself thinking about in this scene, just to make it even sadder, the family members of, um, you know, Orin's mum, Fredo's wife and daughter, Podley's wife and daughter, finding out that, uh, you know, that their loved ones uh, were gone. While the cyborg is heading for the cells. Um... Although Romek knew that, he apparently hasn't alerted the cell guards. More dead bodies in the corridor. Here comes our good friend Sasha, the cell guard. It's all clear around here. With a different voice. Yeah. Is he going to stop the cyborg? Hey. He is not. Get old Sasha. He gave us the reliable. Um, just oh, we weren't expecting him to do anything, and uh, he did even less than that. Cyborg's taking shots at Tamsin in his cell. Don't kill me! And Tamsin is dead. Oh, stray shots exposed some electrical cabling. Stay back, Brogan! Castle's gonna see what she can do with that. And get clubbed in the face. Here we go. Oh, I'll be back for you, Brogan. You created me and you're gonna die for it. That's such a cool line. Uh, reminiscent of uh, a line from a, an, another feature film, in fact. But I remember so clearly um, 
the trailer for this episode when it went out on BBC Two, and oddly enough, it turned up on YouTube um, a couple of months ago. With that line, oh, I remembered it so clearly. Transported from another time, rocked by an unknown force, the hunter and the hunted battle it out. A time to kill. Space Precinct, Monday at 6 on BBC Two. I'll be back for you, Brogan. You created me and you're gonna die for it. Anyway, Cyborg has escaped. And basically, everybody on the station house is dead. Except with the possibility of Romek. So, now that everyone he cares about is dead, Brogan thinks uh, maybe it's time to send his family away. Stay here with you. No. Now listen to me. Listen to me. And I suppose, although there's a part of me, the part of me that really doesn't like Brogan's family, I would have liked maybe to have seen them get blown to bits. I'm scared. I don't think it would have, um, I think probably that would have been a step too far. Going to a safe place. Why do we have to go? Not only for the, the, the children in the audience watching, but uh, also... To not come daddy's day. It would... It would just be something too big for for the broken character to deal with within the story. Well, I'm not taking the bat. Come on. Uh, Matt has to leave his baseball bat. Now Brogan's saying goodbye. And he's uh, here comes my favourite I hate Sally moment. Call or try to contact me. Don't discuss with anyone where you're going. I know the drill. We'll be fine. It's going to be all right. No. No, it won't be all right. Because even if you make it through this, you've crossed a line. We can't go back to the way things were before. Sure we can. That is just... Can't. Although, you know, later in the story we find out this is um, not the way things are going to be from now on. That line... Let's go. Let's go. I, I can't even begin to express my disgust for the Sally character at that line. All of Brogan's friends and colleagues have been slaughtered and Sally turns around to him and says, you've crossed a line. You've gone too far. Okay, he's getting a bit unhinged, but he's not actually we haven't seen him behaving any differently, to his family at least. So I just don't get that. In, in what reality does Sally Brogan watch her husband's friends, people she knows get bumped off one by one, and then turn round to him and say, it's your fault. Oh! I I think that's one of those moments that absolutely breaks a character. And you don't get them too often in, in Anderson shows, but that from that moment on, I have got basically no sympathy for Sally in any situation, knowing that that is her response to this kind of scenario. And I'm getting a bit angry. I can feel myself getting a bit angry there, but it's like, oh, just the thought. He wouldn't want Sally as a wife. I wouldn't want Sally as a wife. But I do like these uh, these contrasting montages of the cyborg and Brogan preparing for their upcoming um, final showdown. Cyborg's taken his arm off to um, to tinker with his gun. Meanwhile, Brogan's um, hiding all the family photos, setting up uh, electrical traps under rugs. And while the, the, the story of this episode is, is largely inspired by... Oh, I love that this is an absolutely enormous gun that Brogan's got here. It's like the biggest gun in the universe. Um, is inspired by a, a certain series of, of Hollywood films. The look of the cyborg 
I think owes a lot to the the Borg from Star Trek. And it's a shame that this came out when it did because the cyborg I think actually looks better than most of the Borg that you see that you had seen on um, on Star Trek: The Next Generation on television up to this point. But then this was just before. Star Trek First Contact came out and suddenly the Borg had been completely redesigned so it's like oh if that hadn't happened this cyborg would have looked at least the top half would look so much more superior to the TV Borg unfortunately the the redesign kind of um, leaves him in the shade a bit yeah I still can't get over those uh, those tan jeans of his anyway cyborg is cutting into the uh, Brogan household unit he's getting in through the garden and the back window that's it one shot at the uh, the electrical panel in the broken household shuts down all the power for the, uh, the space suburb and the cyborg's gun is jammed and um because he's the main character broken can survive getting punched in the face by the cyborg in the same way that um that Castle couldn't. Trap won't work without power. Although Orin did earlier, didn't he? Trap. Oh, he booby-trapped the gun. On the assumption that the cyborg's gun would fail, I guess. Beating him up with a gun. Oh, now we're down on the floor again. What else can we grab? The baseball bat. It's the only time I've ever been grateful I have kids. Throwing him onto the sofa. Oh, let's see who you are. Yeah! Ross? That's right, Brogan. The boy you crippled. Now a man. Jane was right. You are a time traveler. From 30 years in the future. I did come out of the coma. <sighs> yep, we've um we've gone down the uh the Terminator route. Artificial body. They're giving you a I'm not sure if this actor is um And when I found a scientist to it is the same one who plays Ross. I know Brogan recognizes him instantly. I don't know if it's here to prevent the catastrophe that may if it's that actor. I want to say his name's Stephen Billington. You didn't change history! I did. But not enough. And another actor is credited as as playing the cyborg. Those men fired the shot that knocked me into the acid bath. The third technician. The first man you killed. Yes. An odd um Odd way for Brogan to describe that character. Third technician. Did he read the script? Me in the acid. That's that's the way the script would read. Would read. But um. All of you. You've had about all the revenge you're gonna get. Now it's my turn. I do like that idea as well, though. That he came back to change history, and he he did a bit, but not enough. And finish me. And now he's stuck, sort of, you know, damage control to uh, limit the effect of what happened. This time travel device. Where is it? Why? Because this timeline has to be set right. And again, one of the few Jerry Anderson episodes to involve time travel. There's another way. Let me go back. You can't undo that. Even though it only really comes into play in the like last five minutes of the episode. The device is built into this belt. The calibration's locked into the exact time coordinates. It's a goofy noise. Just press that. For a fairly goofy-looking device, actually. When I get there, I'm going to have to stop you from interfering. Use one of these power packs. They contain enough of a charge to disable me. Good luck. Ah, oh, they're all friends again. 
and it's off to the past. And then we get our first clue of what the uh, the earthquake was about. That was the arrival of a time traveler from the future. Brogan's now outside the warehouse, looking in. We need to get a statement from you, then you're free to go. Okay? At himself and his colleagues. All right, let's go. Come on, move it Pre-arrival of the cyborg. There's the cyborg. Luckily, cyborg oh. of the future told him how to defeat cyborg from the past. Slam one of his own power packs into him. Oh, that's worked. He's down. There's still. You in the back. Drop it. Third technician. Middle-aged man, white hair. Uh, that's it. Good Ray, the third technician, has been defeated. Well, it sure sounded like you. Yeah, well, it wasn't. Um, must have come from outside. I'll go check it out. You've ruined my mission. No. The future has been changed. We're ceasing to exist. We've accomplished your mission. I like as well that Brogan only just sees the other timeline before it disintegrates. What was it? I'm not sure. <laughs> For a minute, I thought I saw myself. I like the way this ending as well makes it clear that absolutely everyone is okay. Look, Took's got dialogue, and there's Ross, and uh. Station with me and give a statement. It shouldn't take too long. Well, that's no problem. Even the empty cardboard boxes remain undisturbed. Very grateful to you. No, you did the hard part. You turned down Tamsin's offer. <laughs> well, I said the words, but to be honest, I'm not quite sure what I was really going to do. I can't say I wasn't tempted. Well. If there were a law against that, we'd all be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> How about a hug? Oh, it's all so nice. Well done, Brogan. Thank you, sir. Oh, that, that grudging respect that was so freely given in the other timeline. Technically speaking, that wasn't an earthquake. Okay, Orin. It was an outerquake. Yeah. Ah, quibbles. None of you were even the least bit scared. Banter. It's like nothing ever happened. So how about you, Haldane? And I suppose, in that sense, this is a very odd episode in the sense that really only the last four minutes of it actually happened in terms of the show. I don't know. But I think it's worth it to get where we end up. For some reason I was thinking that um, we never really appreciate what we have until it's gone. Oh. Now that's profound. If you ever quit the force, you should consider teaching philosophy. Yeah, you could start writing greeting cards. I'm sure you got a big future in that. Oh, there's one for the shop. Yeah, shop.jerryanderson.co.uk, Lieutenant Brogan, um, you never appreciate what you have until it's gone cards. That's it. So, that was Time to Kill, which is um, oh, one of the best episodes of Space Precinct, one of the early, uh, earliest triumphs of the series. I, um, It is almost a shame that um, basically all of it never happened, but to see particularly the character of Brogan go on that kind of journey to see what would have happened if he was put in that situation where literally he lost everybody oh it's just so so satisfying and some awesome action sequences in here some nice model stuff but particularly that that early shootout in the um, in the warehouse is really something special I think even uh, Ted Shackelford himself was like wow this is um this is really good stuff. So, um, yeah, it's you know, a bit derivative of a certain uh, film series, but um, for what it produced for Space Precinct, one of the earliest successes of the show, one of the most memorable characters in the cyborg, just a really nice slice of Jerry Anderson's sci-fi action.